Thanks for tuning in to the preaching and teaching ministry of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach with Pastor Dave Delaney. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, take them and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number eight. Across the top of the page, you're going to look for the word Romans, all right? That's the, that's the letter or the book of the Bible that we are in. And then you're going to look for big number eight. We call that a chapter, Romans chapter eight, and then verse 35. So that's the small number 35, all right? If you found your place, and if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the word of God? Romans chapter 8, verse 35, all the way down to verse number 39, and we come this morning and we complete uh, our study here in Romans chapter number 8, a fantastic study that it's been, considering what does it mean to have life with the Spirit. That's our little sub-series inside of the larger series as we walk through Romans. What does it mean to have life through, with, because of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. And now Paul is coming to this end and it's been building, it's it's climactic. In fact, some of the most famous verses in all of Romans resonate at the end of this chapter. Look at verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's a very famous verse. It really means as if powerful. So Paul is building his argument. He's coming now to the end of verse number 35. He asks the question, two of them really, in verse 35, and then all the way down to the end, he gives us the answer. Look at verse 35. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine Nakedness, or peril, or sword. For as it is written. So, so look here, anytime you see the phrase, as it is written, is a quote back to the Old Testament. So the Apostle Paul is quoting what has already been written in the Old Testament, specifically Psalms chapter 44, This where this verse is found. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm so smart. That's how. No, because there's a cross-reference. You can see it for yourself. It's probably in your Bible. It's probably a little number or a letter, perhaps. You'll find it in the center page. and It'll tell you where this quote is from. See, I'm letting you in on all the tricks that preachers have, okay? So, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come. So what I'm going through right now, or what I will go through one day, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the question. 
What can separate us from God's love? And here's the answer. Nothing. No one. Not a thing. Like my grandma would say, not a blessed thing. And that's that's how she would say it. None of it can separate us from the love of God. And go those who know the love of God know that God's love is a forever love. An unending love. A steadfast love. And those who God loves, He saves. And those who God saves, He saves forever. That's what He's saying. That's what He's saying. He's already made this point. He's made this point judicially. That was last week. He asked the question, who should bring any charge against God's elect? Who would bring a charge against God? Or against a believer in God? Who would bring a charge against a believer? Well, the only one leveraging a charge against God, the only being brought against believers, rather, is what? The wrath of God, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 2, the wrath of God working against those who commit ungodliness. So that's all of us. But if God has justified us by sending his son to die on the cross for us, well then, if God's for us, who can be against us? So if God is not bringing a charge against us, whom we've sinned against, well then who can? So he's made this argument judicially. This is legally what's true about you and me. But now he makes this argument relationally. So, so, so practically, how do we feel this in our life then? If this is true about me judicially in the court of heaven, well then what must I know in my heart? What must I be convinced of? That's his word persuaded. What must I be convinced of in my heart? I must be convinced that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. It's very important for us to note before before we pray. I know you're standing. I didn't forget. It's very important for us to note. It is not our love for Christ, but the love of Christ. It is not our love for Christ. It is our lo- it is the love of Christ. That's the distinguishing. Why? Because our love for Christ ebbs and flows. Goes up and down. And sometimes you have, you have days where you, I really want to go to church and really want to sing his praises and really want to worship him and really want to read his word. And some days you go, I better go or else the preacher is going to get on to me. Regardless of whatever day today is, for you, the love of Christ has not moved one bit. Our Heavenly Father, help us to understand this great truth. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. It is precisely because Christ's love for us is unending. It is because Christ's love for us is unfailing. It is because Christ's love for us is irrevocable. It is because of his love that, Paul says, we are more than conquerors. Look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
None of these things can. Why? Because for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. Verse 36. And in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. When Paul says more than conquerors, it's actually one word in the Greek, and it's actually a compound word. Paul makes this word up to help us understand this lesson. And it's really the idea of a hyper-conqueror. He says, we are hyper-conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're not just victorious. We are hyper-conquerors. We're hyper-victorious. We're conquering in another dimension. We're conquering in another way. We're conquering at another level than just conquering. And Paul has been the expression of this. A a conqueror, someone who is simply a conqueror, is someone who simply defeats his enemy. Marches into his town, goes into his village, defeats his enemy, holds him hostage, takes his goods, and rules in his stead, and wipes him out. This is a conqueror. Paul says, Christ is not simply a conqueror, in that he has marched into your heart, defeated you, wiped you out, and now holds you hostage. Christ is not a conqueror in that way. Christ is a more than conqueror. He is a, he's a hyper conqueror. He's hyper victorious. He's super abounding in victory. He's super abounding in the ways of which he conquers. How is he super abounding then? Because he does not simply defeat his enemy. Christ turns his enemy into an ally. Now hear me on that point. How is he more than a conqueror? Because Christ does not simply defeat his enemy. Christ turns his enemies into an ally. This is the case of Paul. Paul the apostle is a perfect example of the way in which Christ is hyper-conquering. How Christ is more than a conqueror. Paul had once been Saul of Tarshish. You remember this? And as Saul of Tarshish, Paul was going through the region wrecking havoc on the churches. Anyone who would name the name Christ, Saul of Tarshish, who would later be Paul, who wrote this letter, was going through persecuting the church. And yet on the road to Damascus, Saul has an encounter with the risen Jesus. And Jesus asked Saul, why do you run? Why do you kick? Why do you try to resist what you know to be true? And I'm standing in front of you, Saul, and I am hyper-conquering you. I am more than conquering you. Christ could have struck Paul down in the middle of the road. He could have defeated Paul. He could have wiped him out. He could have reigned over him in that way, and Christ would have simply been victorious. And Christ did not do that for Saul of Tarshish. And instead of just defeating him, he won him. He is a more than conqueror in this way. Because Christ had a greater triumph in mind than just simply defeating the persecutor of the church. He conquered him. He more than conquered him by taking the persecutor of the church and conquering him and turning him into a preacher of the gospel. 
So that the next 30 years of Paul's life and service and suffering would prove that the life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope for all of the world. This is the goal that we consider this weekend. This is the goal that we take up in partnering with these men and women who have given their lives to take the gospel all around the globe. This is the great hope that we have in sending these to India and Peru and Sri Lanka and Nigeria and Australia. We send them with the message of the risen Christ. We send them with the message of the true warrior king. We send them with the message of a more than conqueror. We send them with the message that we pray would cause their eyes to be opened, that would set the captive free, and that their hearts may be won and given to Christ of who displayed the love of God for them. It's more than conquering. That's what a missionary message is. It's a more than conquering effort that our, that our missionaries take up. So how are we more than conquerors then? If it's true that we're more than conquerors, if it's true that Paul was more than conquered by Christ, how is it that we can be certain of the victory? How is it that we can be certain of the more than conquering? It's three ways. Notice number one. Notice the sphere of the victory. Listen to the text. Look at verse 37. In all these things. In all these things, we are hyper-conquerors. In all these things, we are hyper-victorious. In our, all these things, we are super-abounding in Victory in all of what things? Well, Paul's already told us these things. These are all the things mentioned in verse 35. In all these things, what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and the sword. In all of these things, we are super victorious. In all of these things, we are hyper-conquering. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. The list that he gives is not one that he just grabs out of thin air. The list that he gives is not one that he just makes up of his own writing. He has something particular in mind. And he says, in, in, in tribulation, in distress, in persecution, in famine, in nakedness, in peril, and in the sword. So in outward trouble, in inward stress, in bodily harm, in verbal abuse, in deprivation, in dangerous situation. That's the word peril, in dangerous situation. And then he even includes the word sword, which he, he has a particular thing in his mind, and the, the risk of losing life. That in all of these things, in outward trouble, and in inward stress, and in bodily harm, and in verbal abuse, and in deprivation, and in dangerous situation, and even in death, we as believers are hyper-victorious. We are hyper-conquering. We are super-abounding in our victory. 
The sphere is those all things. All the painful moments of your life, you are still more than conquering. In all those troublesome moments of your heart, you are still victorious. In what looks like, feels like, and seems like defeat, it is actually working victory in your life and in your heart. It's not just the sphere of all things, as in painful moments, but it's also the sphere of all things should certainly include in all places. Christ will be victorious in India. Christ will be victorious in Sri Lanka. Christ will be victorious in Australia and Nigeria and Peru and the Middle East. Christ will be victorious in Russia and China. Christ will be victorious over all the regions of Europe. Christ will be victorious on our own streets of Long Beach. Christ will be victorious. His name will be praised. He will call a people to himself. And in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what? That Christ is Lord of all. He's super abounding. He's super victorious. He is a more than conqueror. So what that means is whatever area of your life you are saying, no, I cannot achieve victory in this. No, 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 I cannot achieve victory through that. No, this relationship is too hard, or that boss is too demanding, or this family situation is too much, or this medical diagnosis is its too severe. No, 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 what he's saying is, it's a bad understanding of the victory that waits for us in Christ. The preposition that he chooses is very important. Do you remember English class? Do you remember your prepositions? I lost some of you right there. As soon as I said English class, all you heard was wah, 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 wah. Remember all the prepositions? Remember the song? Aboard, about, above, across, after, against, along, amid, among, around, at, before, behind, below, beneath, beside, between, beyond. I, don't, I won't keep going. It's a long song. It's a long song. But you get to the end of the song and it reminds you, prepositions show position. So look at the preposition. In all these things. So he's teaching you something. He's not saying above all of these things. He's not saying beyond all of these things. He's not saying removed from all. See, that's how we think. If I had no tribulation, if I had no distress, and if I had no persecution, and if I had no famine, and if I had no nakedness, and if I had no peril, and if I had no sword, if all of those things were taken away from me, well, then I would finally be victorious. No, no, no. In all these things. Not above them, not separate from them, not removed out of your life, not distinct from you. No, 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 not after them, but in them you will be victorious. That's what he's saying. We're often tempted to believe that the only way God keeps his promise of victory is if he keeps us from trials like that. But what Paul is saying is God does not promise to keep you from these trials. God promises to keep you in these trials. 
He doesn't promise to remove them from you, keep you above them. He promises that while you go through them, he will keep you in them. You see, you see how that jumps right off the page into our lap? You see how practical that is? Because have you been, have you been kept from these things? Or is it true of you and true of me and true of us collectively that we have all faced situations like this? We've all had circumstances and conditions of hardship, of trial, of distress, of famine, of trouble, and perhaps even of death. You see, you see how he says, no, no, no. It's even in facing those things, even in that Christ is victorious over that because Christ keeps you as you go in it. The sphere of victory in all things would certainly mean in all the painful moments, it would certainly mean in all the places of this world. But notice, in all these things, look back at verse number 36, so with all things, what would it mean? In all these things, in all these painful moments, and in all these places, look at verse 36, for thy sake. So, So all of these things, which he's keeping us in, are for whose sake? They're for whose benefit? They're for whose cause? They're for his sake. See the phrase? For thy sake we are killed all the day long and are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It's all for the sake of King Jesus. All the stuff of your life is for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's worthy, that's why. Because he deserves it, that's why. Because he alone deserves all praise from all nations, from all people, and all situations, hear me, at all times, for thy sake, he says. The all things for his sake. The good, the bad, the ugly, all for his sake. Anybody had any good in their life? Like like six of us, okay. Everyone else is asleep. Anyone had any bad in their life? Okay, you're waking up. Anyone have any ugly in their life? You're sitting next to them? No, 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 don't, don't do it. All things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all things in your life, look at me, all things in your life for his sake is not leading you to defeat. It's leading you to victory. That, that, that admittance to college, for thy sake. That promotion, for thy sake. That house, for thy sake. Those kids, for thy sake. That that marriage, for thy sake. Look here. That cancer, for thy sake. That bankruptcy, for thy sake. That rebellious son or daughter, for thy sake. For thy sake, we are killed all the day long. Here's a question. Is your life, 
Is the life you're living, the decisions you're making, is it a for thy sake life or for my sake life? Is the life you're living a for thy sake, Lord, or is the life you're living for my sake? You know, these missionaries collectively, you know what they're saying? We want our lives to be given for for thy sake, for thy sake in India, for your sake in in Peru, for your sake in Sri Lanka, for your for your sake in Australia, Nigeria, for your sake. We're 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 leaving it all. We're forsaking it all. We're killed all the day long, Lord, for your sake, for your name, because you alone are worthy of that. And what we're considering as a church is here are a group of men and women who are saying, Lord, my life for your sake. And what we're saying is, how will we help them accomplish that? That offering, is it for your sake or his sake? That tithe, is it for your sake or his sake? That job, is it for your sake or his sake? You see how you see how you see how you see how different our world teaches us to think about all these things. You know, get the promotion for your sake. You get better hours, better pay. Get, get the house for your sake. You see how countercultural this pulls us into thinking and into living and into decision making. That all these things that the Lord has given to you, whatever they are, however many they are, however few they may be, all of these things, listen, they're not given to you and to me as ends in themselves. They are given to you and to me for His sake. My life, Lord, it is yours to control. Take it all, heart and soul. Are you living a for thy sake life or are you living a for my sake life? I praise God for the amount of young adults that the Lord has given to our church. But let me, let me, let me pull on this, young adults. Listen, don't, don't go the narrative of the world. Just live your life, do your thing, get serious about Jesus later. No, 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 get serious about Jesus right now. Live for Jesus now. Pursue him. Live for his sake. Listen, right now. Read the end of Ecclesiastes 12. Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Right now. Live a for thy sake life. Didn't you love the testimony from one of our missionaries, his youth pastor, 78 years old? Hey, listen, 78 years old, is your life uh, for my sake or for thy sake? Why well, did my thing? I've been coming here for a long time. Great. But you're still coming. So are you living for you or are you living for him? Is it a for my sake life or is it a for thy sake life all of these things entrusted to us by god for his own good the sphere of victory in all things look at the source of victory 
Okay? If the sphere is in all places, at all times, painful moments, in all the regions of the world, for his sake, the good, the bad, and the ugly were to live it out for his name, then how do we do that? Well, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through him that loved us. The believer has victory precisely because of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is on the cross that Christ paid the full penalty for our sin, and it is through his bodily, physical resurrection that he robbed death of its sting, and he thereby broke the power of sin over us individually. It is through him we are more than conquerors, not because we are so awesome. We're more than conquerors, not because we're so smart. We're more than conquerors, not because we're so uh, amazing at strategizing or, 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 or sending. We're not more than conquerors because we're so creative. We're not more than conquerors because we're so relative. We are more than conquerors through Christ and Christ alone. Because if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Because if Christ beat death and my life is hid with Christ in God, then death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of victory is Christ and Christ alone. The conquering nature for which you and I enjoy as believers is provided to us from Christ alone. It's Paul who said in Romans 5 that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That Christ loved you at your worst. We like to think of ourselves only in terms of the best, right? Hey, Jesus loves me at my best. I got to get all dolled up and come to church, wear my tie, shine my shoes, and present myself to the church, and then maybe Jesus will love me. Listen, God knows everything there is to know about you, and he loves you anyway. God knows the deepest, darkest secret that you hope the person sitting next to you never finds out about. God knows it, and God loves you. He loves you at your worst, but he doesn't just love you at your worst. He loves you with an everlasting love. There is no other love in this world that can boast of an everlasting nature. The love of a spouse can never be an everlasting love. The love of a parent can never be an everlasting love. The love of a child, the love of a friend... The love for those things can never be everlasting. It will. That love inevitably will be marked by spoil or curtailed by 
sin or perhaps even ended through death. There is no other everlasting love except the love of Christ. The question then is, how does he love us? How does he love us? You read the, the account of the Gospels and you'll see how God loved you. You'll see how Christ loved you. Christ loved us enough to humble himself and be born in a manger in the city of Bethlehem. It's the Christmas story. Christ loves us enough to identify with our sin in his baptism. Christ loved us enough to stand outside of the grave of Lazarus and weep. Christ loved us enough to sit with the woman at the well and introduce her to the water whereby she would never thirst again. Christ loved us enough to agonize in Gethsemane and ask the Father to remove this cup from him. Christ loved us enough to endure an unmitigated suffering on the cross, refusing to come down and lay down his own life for our sin. And if he laid his own life down, then he has the power to pick it back up again, which he did when he resurrected from the grave. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Jesus' love for you is an unending love. It's an unquenchable love. And it's an irrevocable love. Look, 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 look. Look. Jesus' love for you is an unending love. An unquenchable love. And an irrevocable love. Some of you were raised in homes where you never heard that you were loved. Mom never told you that. Dad never told you that. So you're, you, because you, you're all bent out of shape because you're looking for love in all these places. You're looking for approval in all these things. And you're thinking that somehow if you can find some sort of approval from the culture or from your friendships or relationships, if you can find some sort of validation and promotion or, 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 or buy it by, by way of toys and cars and houses and gifts and gadgets and gizmos that you can somehow finally be loved or accepted. Listen, you will not find an ever lasting love for which your soul longs in any place or in anyone other than Christ alone. Maybe your parents didn't tell you that they love you, but listen to God's word. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Oh, how he loves you. God so loved the world, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and know an everlasting love. Do you hear me? Live for that love and you will never be disappointed. Look, 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 live for that love and you will never be disappointed. All the love of Christ, what can separate us from it? Nothing. Nothing. It's an ever 
lasting love. So where does that leave Paul? Leaves Paul last, the sufficiency of this love. The sphere, it's all places. The source, it's through Christ. It's sufficiency. Verse 38, look at the verse. For I am persuaded. The word persuaded would be our word confident. That's how we would understand that word. From I'm confident in this. It's really more than just confidence. It's confidence based upon something. It's confidence based upon knowledge. That's what the word persuaded is. It's as if Paul's saying, I heard all the arguments. And now, because I've heard all the arguments, now having received this knowledge, now I am persuaded. So it's really broader than confidence. It's confidence with knowledge. Which is why they translated it persuaded. So having... Not just confidence, not just expectation, not just wishful thinking, but given, given the knowledge of who Christ is, the knowledge of what Christ has done, the knowledge of the person of Christ, now having received this knowledge of Christ, now I am persuaded. I am confident. I know. I have this knowledge that neither death, listen to his list, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything, nothing future, nothing present, nothing past, nothing expected, nothing unexpected, nothing seen, nothing unseen, nothing earthly, nothing spiritual, nothing big or little, none of it will separate me from the love of Christ. I'm persuaded, he says. And what persuaded him? The knowledge of Christ persuaded him. The knowledge of Christ persuaded him. It was not some empty, emotional search for which Paul went to find. Paul went after an understanding of the person and work of Christ. So the songwriter says when he puts the words this way, "'Tis what I know of thee, my Lord, my God." It is knowledge of the work of Christ, the life of Christ, that provides us with the basis for why we then can say, I am persuaded. Nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Not the good days, not the bad days. None of it will separate me from Christ. Not the persecution or the promotion. None of it will separate me from Christ. His love is an everlasting, unending, irrevocable love. When we sing the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, which was written by Horatio Spafford, when Spafford wrote the hymn originally, he did not write the words, you have taught me to say. They added that later because the rhythm of those words made it better for the song. When he actually wrote the words, it is well with my soul, he wrote, you have taught me to know it is well with my soul. We need to know it is well before we can affirm it is well. It is knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, 
the knowledge of his life, death, burial, and resurrection, the knowledge of his work, and the knowledge of his worth. It is the knowledge that gives strength for Christian living. It is this knowledge that calls us into sacrificial service by way of missions. It is the knowledge of Christ that persuades us, convinces us, causes us to be certain, to be sure that nothing can separate us and that all the world deserves to know of this great love. All the world deserves to hear of this great love. So this evening, as a church corporately, we'll enter into agreement with our five missionary families to help them, partner with them, send to them to take the knowledge of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ to all the regions of the world. And of this, we are confident that Christ will be victorious. He is super abounding in victory. But more than that, you can be confident of that very thing in your own life today. We are more than conquerors through Him. We hope this was a blessing to you. For more information about First Baptist Church and sermons from Pastor Dave Delaney, please visit us at www.fbclb.org.